The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Well, hey, Sanctuary, it's so great to be with you tonight. Uh, As Mark said, we are in a current series called Life Without Lack, and it's our third week. And for three weeks, we've been journeying through Psalm 23 together. And on the first week, we, we explored this analogy where God is the shepherd and we are his sheep. And in, the, in that week, we talked about how God provides for us like a shepherd provides for his sheep. And last week, continuing in that analogy, we talked about how a God, like a shepherd, leads his sheep through a dark valley. And then this week, we go from a valley to a table. And we have a table here in the middle of it. And for those who are watching online, you might not be able to see it, but it's this beautiful table. And in in Psalm 23, God leads us to not only a table, but a table that's filled, a table that's full, a table that's abundant. And here's the thing. As we're journeying through Psalms 23 and we come to this table, we're no longer sheep which is a good thing because sheep are smelly and they're kind of stupid. But when we get to the table, we're no longer sheep, but we're people. And, and it's kind of like we, when we decide and we make the decision to accept the invitation to follow Jesus, to take a step to following our shepherd, we understand that we can talk with him, that we can be with him, that we can grow in an intentional and deep relationship with God at a table where we can eat a meal with God. And that is good news. And we read that that when we come to this table, that we lack nothing. And on this, the author of Psalm 23, David, he continues. And he, he continues by saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. We've walked through this valley, and we've arrived at a table. And at this table, we're invited to sit. We're invited to eat. But unlike most tables, like nowadays, when you sit and you're with a friend or maybe even an acquaintance, at this table, it's different because at this table, we're surrounded by our enemies. The last time I experienced something this severe was when I was wearing a Seahawks jersey at a hot dog stand in a 49er stadium. I mean, they were savages to me, but it was really bad. I don't recommend that, but Seahawks. Um, It's preseason, so I'm excited. Anyways, now we're in this part of, of this psalm, and David, he's talking about this table, and when he talks about a table, he's using this deep allegorical language, and, and he's saying something extremely significant, and I actually want to unpack what he's saying before you. And with that, I want to start by talking about the table itself. Now, unlike tables today, when you go to a table and you sit, you usually like sit, you eat, and then you're out of there. It's like a really, really quick ordeal. Who's like in the last three days, who has actually sat down at your table, like your own table the last three days when you ate a meal? 
anyone. One, two, okay, most of you. So I guess I'm the only one that, that doesn't do that. So pretend that you don't eat at a table and you know what I'm talking about. No, but back then, people actually spent time at tables. They spent a long time, and it actually meant something when you were invited to go to a table and eat because relationships were developed at a table. Tables were important. For example, since before the time of Jesus, Jewish rabbis have taught that, that tables are significant, that tables mean something. Often they would say that tables were like kind of like an altar where when you got to the table, it was like worship happen. Tables are important. And tables also mean provision, abundance back then, um, where, where we go to the table and when we lacked something, what we lacked would be meant. If you were hungry, you would physically, you know, eat food and you would be physically nourished. And if you didn't have a good relationship with someone or wanted to grow relationally, you would go to the table and you would experience relationship. And now often, in this context, a host would invite someone to their table. You'd get an invitation. And generally, the tables were at the host's house. And if you had an invite to the host's table in the host's house, that was significant. Like, like that was a pretty big deal. You meant something to that host. And in most contexts, when you were in a, at a host's house eating at their table, it meant that you had protection from the host. And that was really important when, let's say, there were people outside who didn't like you. Let's say there were enemies outside. That meant something to have the host protection, especially if that host was extremely powerful. And in Psalm 23, when David writes this, you prepare a table for me, he, he's, he's telling us that there are times, man, when you just feel surrounded. There are times when you just feel then we just feel like we have enemies all around us. And God is saying that in the middle of this, like a powerful host, to, he creates this environment where you can experience provision and protection, and he talks about it by talking about a table. And when we read this in Psalms 23, we can't help but ask ourselves a few questions. We can't help but address a few things. Like, what do we do when we're invited? Do we accept the invitation? Do we accept this invitation? And if we do, when we get to the table, do we actually eat? And these are important questions for us to ask. And because of that, I just want to spend the rest of our time today talking about if we will accept the invitation to God's table and what we would do with the table, like, like what we will do with this table that's before us. So let's jump right in. The first is, will you accept the invitation to his table? And again, the table is a, is a deeply allegorical thing, and, and the table is, is something that you lack in your life. Provision and protection. Will you accept the invite to abundance? to meet what you're lacking. Now, here's the funny thing about invitations in our culture. Uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but invitations in our culture are kind of weird. Uh, I get a, a Facebook invite to an event, you know, and I don't know what to do. Often, I usually don't say going. I'll say what? 
interested, interested, maybe, that's old school, but I love it. Uh, no, interested. You, you don't know. You click interested because, like most millennials, I have both the fear of, uh, the fear of uh, missing out, and I also have the fear of commitment. So I click interested because you can just be in the middle of that. And if you're in the room right now and you're a Gen Zer, which is something that I just learned, that's, what's, that's what the people uh, right under millennials are called. If you're like, what are you talking about? This is so weird. Facebook owns Instagram. So just to, no, <laughs> that's a, thank you for laughing. I was like, if they don't laugh, then I just need to get off stage because I am not relevant at all. Um, anyways, <laughs> Facebook owns Instagram. Oh my gosh. But we do it all the time. We do it all the time um, for many different reasons. We don't accept. We think about accepting. We, we, we're interested in accepting, but accepting means commitment. And what if we don't like what we end up committing ourselves to? I mean, that's the thing that kind of we wrestle with. Why be stuck with something good when something better could be just around the corner? So God sends us an invitation to come to his table, an invitation to receive his provision and to receive his protection, to let God be our great host. And sometimes, at best, we click interested. And if you're like me, you might have found yourself saying, God, I know I'm in a hard situation right now, but what if something better comes around than committing to spending time with you at your table? That requires a lot of me. I mean, God, just to be honest, there are more tables than just yours. There are more hosts than you. Yes, there are, but none of them are God, and none of them loves us as deeply. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, but God, what if when I get to your table, I accept your invite, and I'm there, and I sit down, and I actually tell you what's on my mind. I actually tell you what I'm thinking. Not like when people see you, and they say, how's it going? You say, good. When, you know, it's not good going on. God, what if I sit at your table, and I tell you, God, fine, I'll let you know. I'm surrounded by my enemies. I'm struggling, God. I lack And that can lead us to asking even deeper questions like, God, do I need to be perfect before I accept the invitation? Do I need to have it all together before I accept the invitation? Do I have to have God or Christianity figured out before I can accept the invitation? And deep down inside, we all struggle with these types of questions. We might be thinking, God, I'd accept the invitation from you, but I'm dirty. And if you really knew the things that I do, God, I'm sure you'd take your invitation away. Because if it's your table, it's holy, right? Now, here's the thing about Jesus and tables. When Jesus was on earth, a lot of his ministry was done at a table. 
He taught lessons at a table. He gave parables at a table. Jesus' tables were holy because holy things happened at Jesus' table, but Jesus had different rules at his table, different rules than other tables. I mean, Jesus would wash his disciples' feet at his table. Jesus ate with prostitutes at his table. Jesus ate with misfits. Jesus ate with tax collectors, the jealous, the self-righteous sinners, all at his table. Everyone was welcome at Jesus' table, regardless of status or struggle, because Jesus' table is one of irrational and unconditional love. And here's the thing, you are invited to Jesus' table. He's a host that will protect you. He's a host that will provide for you. And when we understand what kind of invitation this is, honestly, it's a hard one not to accept. Now, the next thing, the next thing to do when uh, we, uh, with the table that's before us, is to trust that God will provide at his table. While we hear that God is able to make the table abundant, we read that in Psalm 23. Sometimes it's difficult to see when we're surrounded by our enemies. Sometimes that's tough. And a lot like the progression in Psalm 23, after God delivered the Israelites from slavery, what God did was he opened up the Red Sea and the Israelites were able to miraculously walk through. After they did that, the Israelites found themselves on dry land. They found themselves on the other side. They journeyed through the valley. And when they were on the other side, they remembered that God said, I will provide for you. I will give to you. And they were there, and they're like, all right, God, where is it? They looked around. We're in a desert. Okay, God, we trusted you through this valley. We left everything, and it's barren. God, we're in a wilderness. And there was no food. And so they started to get hungry, and their hunger grew. And their hunger grew, and their hunger grew, and forgetting that if God is able to direct them, lead them through a miraculous valley to perform a miracle like parting the Red Sea, if he's able to do that, they forgot that then he is able to give them food, and they began, as the text said, to grumble. They began to get angry at God. They started saying things like they wished that they had never left Egypt. They wished that they were still in Egypt. Yes, they were in slavery, but at least they had tables there. At least in their slavery, there was food. There was abundance. They can still eat, but not right now. They're hungry. And in their anger, a psalmist wrote, they spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Hmm. Can abundance come out of nowhere? I mean, can food just appear in the desert? To the Israelites, their enemy was their hunger, and they were afraid that their enemy was going to defeat them. I mean, to them, God, yes, he was strong, but stronger than this enemy? I don't know. And you might be experiencing something like this right now in your life. You might have accepted the invitation, but now... The land is barren. And you're finding out that your circumstances are harder and more challenging than you've expected. I know I've been there many times. I mean, more times than I can count. You might be sitting there. 
You might be wondering that if God is who he says he is, if he's a truly a God of abundance, then why doesn't he help? I mean, why doesn't he provide? Like the Israelites, you might be thinking, can God really spread a table in my wilderness? And in the middle of these, these deep provision questions that the Israelites had, God spoke to Moses and said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. When their circumstances couldn't, couldn't, uh, when their circumstances couldn't provide, God did. Because God is bigger than your circumstances. God gave them food to eat. God gave them water to drink. For 40 years, God made a table. He spread a table in their wilderness. They had abundance. And the same can be true for you with whatever you're experiencing right now because God is bigger than your circumstances. Often I find myself in what I call a cycle of trust. <clears throat> there will be something that I, I'm really trying to trust God with, and I'll, I'll trust, and I'll trust, and I'm like, Christians, trust. I got to trust. I got to suppress, and, and then I'll pray, and I'll pray, and then finally I see the thing that I'm trusting comes, like Jesus answers my prayer, and I'm like, woohoo, this is awesome. I'm in a new season. Oh, no. I got to trust again, and I go back to trusting and trusting and praying and praying, and, and this is true for all of us because the foundation of our relationship with God is built on trust. I'm going to say that again. The foundation of our relationship with God is built on trust, and the question that I find myself facing every day, the question that we face every day in every circumstance is, will I trust? It's so simple yet so hard. Will I trust? Will I trust that he hears? Will I trust that he cares? Will I trust that he sees my loneliness? Will I trust that he understands my anxiety and he, he wants to help? Will I trust that he's not the cause of my suffering, but he wants to help? Will we trust? Because God's vision for your life is greater than what you can see. The prophet Ezekiel, he wrote, The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now notice here that he didn't say, what do you see? But he said, can these bones live? I mean, he acknowledged that there were a lot of bones around, that the field was full of bones, and not just bones, but the bones were dry bones. They were the farthest thing away from life. And he didn't ask him what he could see. He asked him if he had vision beyond what he could see. Do you have vision beyond what you can see? 
So Ezekiel trusted God to have vision beyond what he could see that God is able to bring life to any dead situation, that God is able to provide in any situation. And then, trusting in that vision, Ezekiel spoke to the bones to come to life, and it says that sinews and muscles, they began to grow. You see, your words are powerful. Speaking out causes change. So don't be limited by what you can see. Begin to see with your mouth. That's what it means to pray. To speak out trust in the presence of your enemies because God is here. I mean, you can't see him. You might not feel him. That's our reality. But God is here in the presence of your enemies. And the Bible talks a lot about the evil one, this, this adversary who knows our weaknesses, who knows our temptations, who knows our struggles, whose only goal is to get us to not trust God. And when the voice of the enemy may seem to overpower other voices, we need to remember that God has given us a voice of our own, that we can speak life over our circumstances, and that we can trust and say to God, like David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over because God has a vision for your life that is greater than what you can see. That's the truth sanctuary. To accept his invitation to come to the table. To let him anoint your head with oil. And, and that might be something that's a little confusing in just our context. And that simply means back then to bless someone, to honor someone. And it's kind of crazy when you pause and you think about that. Well, what does that mean fully, God? Like, I want to bless you. I want to honor you. God's like saying, no, when you come to my table, you're sitting at the head next to me, and I want to bless you. I want to honor you because you are the guest at my table. I want to provide for you. And when we do this, we get to experience the final thing. We get to eat and drink at his table. Now, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it's the night that we call the Last Supper. Jesus had a table prepared in a room. And Jesus and his disciples, they went to that table and they sat around at that table. And that table was abundant. That table had, had wine. That table had bread. That table had food on it because that table was the remembrance. It was their Passover meal when they remembered how they were saved by the blood of a lamb. And little did they know that soon Jesus, the lamb of God, that his blood was going to be shed to save them. And so they sat at a table, they ate, and they drank. And then in the middle of that, Jesus, he started to speak. And the Bible says, Jesus took bread and broke it. And when he had given thanks, or sorry, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. 
And then he took a cup, and, he, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they, drank all, they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. They ate, and they drank confused. What does this mean, Jesus? The meal was done. They went outside. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was crucified. Jesus died. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. And then, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. And since then, in remembrance of what happened, in remembrance of that, Christians from all around the world for over 2,000 years, we go to a table. And we call it communion. And here's the thing when we come to the table. We go to the table and we get bread. Typically, this is what we do. We dip it in a cup. <laughs> it's juice. But we dip it in a cup and we eat it. And we do this in remembrance. But also something interesting uh, is happening symbolically. We eat it, and it goes in our bodies. And by that, we are saying that, God, Jesus, we are embodying your death. You are personal to us. And here's the thing. Three days later, Jesus rose again. So when we eat and drink, we're also saying that we are embodying your resurrection. We are embodying that we are saved by your resurrection, and we want to take part in that. So we go to the table, and we eat, and we drink, but it doesn't stop there. In the Bible, at the very, very last book of the Bible, Revelation, Jesus talks about or it talks about the things that are to come. It says, the old things have passed. Behold, I am making all things new. And how is this displayed? How is this illustrated? By a table that one day will be with Jesus and will have everything surrounded at a table, but here's the thing. Here's the one thing that will not be at the table, our enemies. Because our enemies will have been defeated. And until that day, knowing that that table is before us, we speak out that vision by going to this table. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And all of you are going to get the invitation if you would like it. If not, that's okay to go to this table. And our text for today, again, I'll say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, what does that mean? What are the hardships that you're going through right now? What are your struggles? Maybe you just moved to the Bay Area and you are like, what's going on? No one I know is around me. Maybe you're about to leave and you're like, what's going on? Maybe there's sin that you're struggling with. Join the club. Maybe there's something that is weighing you down. Maybe you're struggling and you're surrounded by your enemies. And you want to know that someone cares. You want to know that you're not abandoned. Well, when we go to that table, our invitation for you is when you're ready during the next few songs to come to this table and just pause for a second and picture your enemies, picture what you're surrounded by, 
and then picture God's generous, irrational, and unconditional love that he is a God that will provide and someday you will be at his table when that enemy will no longer be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your table. God, we thank you that when we say the word table and we talk about a table, it's not really a table. It's the reality that you will provide for us. Even though we can't see it, it's the reality that you will protect us. Our table can mean many different things, God. And I know, I know, I know that right now someone has gone through the Red Sea and trusted you and they're in a situation right now where they are hungry and they're saying, well, God, when are you actually going to feed me? When is this going to happen? Can you really spread a table in my wilderness? I've been there. I'm in there in some areas right now. And God, I pray that when that person or when these people or all of us, if we're honest, come to this table tonight and we eat and we drink, life change can happen. Something in us can break and you can rain down bread from heaven in our circumstance. God, we pray that this will be true today. And in your name we pray. Amen.